Hi, I'm TJ. And I'm Joseph. And this is Hi-Fi. Hi, Joe. TJ, how you doing? It is, uh, you know, home is where the Wi-Fi works, um, and I'm back <laughs> in my home. Last week, you may recall, I was recording from an undisclosed vacation spot. And yes. the internet, uh, to be truthful, in the edit, I spent a lot more time than I did the first week because there was a significant lag between us, and we would talk over each other sometimes. Oh. Uh, and this week, I don't think we have that, so that'll be good to no. get back to a regular edit. Excellent. Yeah, you're much closer to me now. I think it doesn't take as long for that uh, connection to oh. go from Tennessee to Georgia and back again, right? <laughs> is, is that what it is? It, it might be, or it might just be that my network is engineered to be fast. Also, um, I said Wi-Fi, but I'm technically hardwired. Anytime I'm at my desk, I'm using Ethernet. So I much, wish much I could say the same. Connection. Sadly, my Ethernet connection is like on the other side of the house, and the best place for my desk setup is over here. So... Yeah, uh, well, I, I, know. at my various locations that I've lived, I've had that problem as well. But no, you know what, Joe? Nobody cares about this. We should, we should move on. No, Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi. We should talk about Watch Series Six. I, I heard that you got a new toy. Wait, wait. So, do I have Watch Series Six or Watch Series Seven? Now I'm confused with Watch OS Seven. What is the current Watch Series? You know, I'm not surprised that you're confused because uh, I think version one of iPad OS was called thirteen and. Nowadays we have Watch Series Six, but Watch OS Seven. So okay, okay, that makes sense. Um, I, because I think the first wa- Apple Watch was Series Zero, retros- or retroactively, or something like that. I don't something like that. Because the next year they came out with Watch Series One and Two at the same time, but one was really short lived. But one was not the same as the first year's watch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and w- Apple and naming things. Oh my goodness. And, and and it's confusing to me because they're one increment off. Like so, Watch Series Six and Watch OS Seven. Um, yeah, so I have a, I've just double checked. I have a series six running watch OS seven. That is not confusing at all. <laughs> uh, well, tell okay. me how was the packaging? What day of the week did you get it? Did you just, well, was it at home when you got home from vacation? Yes. So actually the watch was supposed to arrive today, originally the shipping notice, but then I got a you know, notice that said, good news, your watch is going to be delivered sooner. And it delivered the day after I left for vacation. <laughs> So I had That's somebody terrible. come over to my front porch and put it inside, somebody who I'd already given my key so that they could take care of my cat and things like that. So they put it oh, in good. my uh, um, in my office, and when I got home last night, I immediately ripped the packaging off and um, – <laughs> or, you know, the outer the, – the, the, the shipping packaging to get to the nice, beautiful, well-designed packaging that Apple does so well. Like that literally – they may be the best packaging in the business. I've I've I've, I've – I've unpacked things that were, um, or I've unboxed things that were boxed as well as apples, but never better. I totally agree. It, it is not only like a notch above other tech, but even the watch feels like you're getting a very premium product and they made it get a little bit more of a unique experience. Kind of like getting some fancy smancy, you know, professional grade headphones or something for $400. You, you get a really nice packaging for the watch. I have been known to pay too much money for wireless headphones, but I've never paid $400 for any headphones ever. <laughs> Not even my studio quality, you know, ear cup, oh, yeah? keep the noise out so I can podcast headphones. I think these were 80 I've bucks. come pretty close after tax, so yeah, it's, okay, well, the packaging is pretty nice. 
I think the Powerbeats Pro are the most expensive um, that I've ever gotten. So, so yeah, the packaging, uh, and I don't want to spend too much time talking about the packaging, but, you know, it's it's typical Apple. And I think Apple has gotten even better at packaging over the years because earlier on with my Apple products, I remember how difficult it was to get, like, the the cellophane off of, you know, there was, and now they have, like, these little rip tabs. Pull here, and it just sort of rips around, and you can pull the cellophane right off. Um, yep, it's very nice. And yeah, things are things are packaged very well with Apple. My um my both my Pixel 2 XL and my OnePlus 7T were both packaged, I would say, as well or nearly as well. Um, but that but nothing ever gets better than Apple's packaging. It's this is a review of Apple's packaging. But it is true <laughs> that the watch's packaging is a little unique with the I wanted to describe it as what would you say, like a external sleeve that folds around and closes it and you have tabs on it and did did your version come with the that sort of like tabbed exclosure so yeah so it was in two like so there's a long oblong kind of shaped flat box and inside were two kind of things and one was the sleeve around the uh the uh what do they call the new loop it's not a sport loop it should be the sport loop but they already have one so the um the, the the new like single loop or whatever um, the Yuna loop. I don't know. No. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to look this up. Apple.com. This is, this is horrible. My don't, don't ever, don't get old people. It's, it's awful. Your memory starts solo loop. <laughs> so, so the solo loop, uh, it came in a, it's a little separate sleeve with a wraparound like you're talking about. Then the, the watch itself was in more of a box that you would expect an Apple product to be in where you kind of pull up and, uh, the watches in this little, you know, perfectly molded thing that it's, that, that it's in. Um, and, and so I did try immediately the solo loop and I had sized it right. I downloaded Apple sizing thing. I made sure it printed at 100% and, you know, did the thing where it wrapped around my, uh, wrist and ordered the, I believe it was the size nine. Um, I don't have super large wrists, but neither are they super small. Um, and so it fit perfectly. I would be happy to wear it, but I had ordered the Milanese loop. And so I immediately then put the Milanese loop on and Joe, you wear yours backwards. I wear mine correctly. Uh, we've already discovered this when I had my previous watch in a Milanese loop. So um, anyway, I'm very happy with the Milanese loop. I went on a run with it today. And because the Apple bands are wider than my previous watch, I feel like the Milanese loop is even like I had a little bit of trouble with the magnet slipping from time to time with my old watch, my uh, Fossil Sport. And oh, this yeah? one, there's more magnet area because the band is wider and it just stays perfectly where I set it. So I'm very happy with that. Um, very happy with the, I wasn't sure. Cause you know, people talk about, well, you don't want to get a watch that's too large. Like, so you don't know if you want the 40 or the 44 depends on your wrist size. And I didn't want the watch to be too small either because like you're already no. dealing with a very small real estate and I got the 44 and I'm very pleased with it. It's, I, I would say it's just about the right size for my wrist. So very happy well, with excellent. that. Yes. The, um, I've heard things about the battery life on watch or on Apple Watch on Watch OS, and I'm pleased to report that my battery life on the Series Six is impressive. On that note, can you tell me what your charge is holding right now? Let me tell you mine. I've been using mine since I think about eight o'clock this morning. It's not had any charge during the day, and I have sixty percent left. Okay, so let me back up because I need to set the the frame here. So obviously I'm still playing with it a lot and dealing with it a lot. And before I went on my run, I wanted to make sure that because I one of the things I wanted was watch independence from my phone when I go on runs and things. And so 
um, I was getting Audible set up, and it turns out that syncing uh, audiobooks um, from Audible, from the Audible app on the phone to the Audible app on the watch takes forever, and it has to be on the magnetic charger for it to do that. So I um, I had to set it on the charger at about 3 o'clock, and it charged up to 100% by the time that file synced over. Okay. Um, so I was at 100% when I went on my run, and when I got back, I was at 76%, which is um, far better than my Fossil Sport would do when I back when I was still using it for uh, workouts and running and stuff. Okay, so it may be a few percentage points superior to like the Watch Series 5. It's not leaps and bounds better, but it definitely does sound better than your Fossil Watch, yeah. Oh, way better than the Fossil Watch. Now, what, what was impressive to me, so the workout I expected to drain it a lot. So that was like, what, 20-something percent that it took to do my... Uh, hour and 10 minute run. Um, and, um, and that's, you know, GPS, GPS and cellular. So on that note, then were you using the Apple workout app or were you using RunKeeper? I'm still using RunKeeper. i cause all my historical data is yeah. in there and it, it works very well on the Apple watch. Uh, I, I was very happy, very pleased with it. It gave me all the same information I would get on my phone. Um, and it was right there on my wrist. I could just flick my wrist up you know, and see, oh, yeah. there's there's where I'm at, there's my pace, there's all that stuff. So that was very good. Um, I'm very happy with RunKeeper, at least at this time. Um, yeah, and so um, I, I expected it with with the GPS and the cellular to drain the battery a little bit more. Uh, so the impressive thing to me was I put it on my wrist this morning at about, oh, uh, just before 9 o'clock, I think. It was about 8, 8.50. When I put it on my wrist, I took it off the charger. I had worn it for sleep tracking, and that was impressive. It only took about 8 or 9% to track my sleep. Um, I put it on the charger. It was 100% when I got out of the shower. And then so basically from 9 to 3, I was still above 90%. And I was playing with it around all day because, you know, it's a new toy on my wrist. So, um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so, so when you're not using it for workout, the battery life is very impressive. And I can tell you from my Fossil Sport that – but from nine to three, I'd probably be down at around 60%. Just, and I don't even mess with my fossil sport that much anymore just because it's so slow and painful. Um, so yeah, very, very happy with that. What are you doing for your, your app uh, screen with all the icons? Are you just going through like the list in alphabetical order or are you okay. arranging the icons? Uh, are you talking about like the honeycomb grid? Yes. The first thing I did, the very first thing I did when I was setting up my watch is I switched to list view. I cannot stand the honeycomb grid. It is awful. Ah. It doesn't make any sense. It's terrible. No, n- None of it makes any sense. And so the list view is far superior to me, and you can flick through that really quickly with the crown. So, um, yeah, far superior. I understand completely. I- I'm still sticking to the honeycomb grid. It's, it's a love-hate relationship, though. It's not a view that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and I'm, But I'm very much like... My finder view is always list view, like the second view, not not the, uh, you know, not the icons and not the um, uh, the column view. It is always the middle view list. That's that's the one I use. Always list, always sorted by name. Um, so that's just me, you know. Uh, and you've sent me uh, while I've been talking, you've sent me a screenshot of your honeycomb grid, and I just yuck. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. It's not for me. Um, I mentioned I was sunk. I was sinking a. Um, uh, a file from audible over into the audible app on my watch. Um, and that works fine. I tested it. I wound up not getting through my podcasts on my run, which I, I know most people listen to music. I listen to podcasts and audiobooks while I'm running. That's what I do. Um, and I wound up not getting through my podcast. So I couldn't actually, didn't actually listen to the audiobook on my run. 
Um, but I did test it before I went on my run and it, it seems to work fine independently. It took forever to sync that file over though. And I, I understand this is a problem with Apple watch, uh, that it just takes forever to sync thing. Like it took, it took a lot longer to sync. It, it took like an order of magnitude. I want to say four or five times longer to sync the book from my phone to my watch than it took to download this. I think it's a 300 megabyte audiobook. And to download it onto my phone uh, from Audible. So I don't understand what's going on there because you would think syncing over Wi-Fi or even Bluetooth would be faster than the internet. Um, so I yeah. don't know what's going on there. That's very odd. Any chance you have a choice between high quality and like a regular quality to try and speed it up? The the only option that Audible offers is sync this book to your watch. And it takes a long time before it even starts to sync. It says preparing sync. So I think it's I think it's changing the quality of it on the iPhone. Um, And who knows if this process would be faster on a newer um, phone. I'm still on the iPhone 6S, of course. So um, who knows if this will be faster on a new phone? I don't know. And and so anecdotally, I can say that with the watch watch, uh, series four and an iPhone 11, it's not really all that fast. I haven't timed anything, but I've not been impressed with transferring audiobooks. It, it's better with podcasts in general just because they're a lot smaller file size, but don't expect anything instantaneous. Right. Well, so I'm so that leads me to podcasts. I'm using Pocket Casts. Uh, it works beautifully on the watch. Love the interface. Very nice. Um, and I have it set up. I, I did have to change these settings a little bit to get it the way I wanted it. But basically, it downloads anything that's in my up next queue. Um, and so the, and, and I don't know whether that it's getting that data from the phone or downloading it directly from the internet. I don't know. It does take longer to download than it does on the phone, but it was all downloaded and ready for me. I got, uh, notifications of upgrade and, um, another podcast I listened to, um, uh, what's the name of it? Advisory opinions. Um, and, uh, those were both ready and waiting on my watch. I did I did double check when I got the notifications that they had started downloading on my watch, and then I just left it. And um, when I went on my run, they were both there and ready to go. So, um, and I wound up not making it through those on my run anyway. Uh, so that that was fine, even though the, I could tell it downloaded a little bit more slowly than it seemed like they should. But it was fine. Well, let me mention that one thing that is a real pleasure to use on the watch is audio files, whether you're listening to music or podcasts and audiobooks. Once you got them there, it is a, a lot of fun to, to leave your phone somewhere else and get away from the phone and just enjoy having your Bluetooth earbuds, your watch while you're doing the run or the you know a workout at the gym or whatever whatever you're doing. I actually enjoy using just the watch to cut the grass with some headphones and noise cancellation, then... Absolutely. I can definitely see myself doing that when I do yard work next. The model I have is with cellular, but I'm not currently on a plan. And if I leave my phone inside the house, go out, cut the grass, and come back in, it still tracks things like my steps. So once it syncs up with the phone it can still tell me like, you know, this is effectively showing up on your activity for the day, which I want to close that ring. It's great. And I don't have to uh, lug anything in my pocket. You know, when when you're hot and sweaty out cutting the grass, you just don't want anything in your pockets. 
Of course, yeah. And that that has yeah. been – same with running and with, with yard work. Like having the phone in my pocket is always frustrating. And then depending on – like I try to turn the, the uh, screen out when I'm doing that, but I normally keep the screen in towards me. And what will happen is if I start sweating and it, you know, it gets the, – the screen gets sweaty and then it will not respond very well or sometimes press buttons I didn't mean to because it's detecting things weirdly with the moisture – um, so, and, and I just can't tell you how liberating it was to go on this run and have an independent watch. Uh, I got various notifications while I was out. I quickly flipped up and I could see, oh, no big deal and kept on going. Um, and so the cellular worked perfectly. It was, it was wonderful. I, I loved it. And so you had a, um, and we may cover this topic in the future. You have on the potential topic list, um, why is it that I'm coming back to Apple if I hate them so much? Which I don't. I don't hate <laughs> Apple. I, I've never hated Apple. I've always wanted them to be better. I've had problems with Apple. Well, some of our listeners may have gotten the impression that you had a lot to complain about. <laughs> I, I do. I still do. But but this sort of thing, this Apple magic, um, where I can take this phone, it's paired to my. Uh, I can take this watch, it's paired to my phone. I can go out a run and it, it behaves perfectly fine and it was it was all very magical and it didn't take a lot to set this watch up. Like I just got it last night and I feel like it's already well integrated in, into whatever I need it for. And I'll tell you what, here, here's another reason why uh, it's the ecosystem, right? It's, it's um, when you are 100% in Apple's ecosystem, you get a lot of benefits. When I wanted to go on my run, I, I didn't even, you know, try to fight with my headphones beforehand and make sure they were going to work. I just assumed they would, and they did. Like, because I have Apple headphones with the H1 chip in them, when I went to play music on my headphones, I popped them in my ear, I clicked play in the podcast app, and it said, where do you want to play them? I clicked Power Beats Pro, and they took a second, and then they connected, and then I was off. And that's the sort of magic that you don't get anywhere else. And, and I can say that definitively because I've been in the Android ecosystem. I've been in the Windows ecosystem. I've, you know, I've been in my, <laughs> I've been sojourning in the wilderness and I'm just now coming back. And <laughs> I've forgotten how good some of this stuff is. Sure, Apple still has some problems and I'm going to complain oh, about yeah. those a lot. Um, but I'm, I think there are certain things that Apple does well that are quality of life improvements. And, and here's another example. So um, I had to go pick up my dog um, because he had been staying at my sister's while I while we were on vacation. And so I hopped in the van and um, I just just for the I usually, you know, pull up maps and set my route, even if I know where I'm going because of traffic information. And, you know, maybe I'll glance down and, and see something interesting, whatever. Traditionally on Android, I've been using Google Maps, and I found on iOS, uh, iPhone 6S, um, I think this is probably an iPhone 6S problem because uh, Google Maps requires a little more processing power than, you know, and, and the iPhone 6S can barely handle it. And so I found that, that Google Maps will crash a lot. And so I've been using Apple Maps. And Apple Maps oh, really? is definitely better huh. than, yes, it is a lot better than it used to be. There are still a few times I'm like, yeah, I'm going to double check you with Google Maps. And once I have been like, okay, I'm going to trust Google Maps better. Um, but generally speaking, Apple Maps has been sufficient. I used it exclusively on our vacation when I was driving. It was great. So today when I pull up my sister's uh, house and, you know, I just, I just started typing her name. She pops up. I click it and, uh, you know, because I've got her address in my address book. And I noticed as I was driving that my my watch would tap my tap me on the wrist and say you know when turns were coming up, which is a feature. It, it, the basics of that is a feature I've wanted on GPSs and GPS apps for a very long time. I cannot stand um, turn by turn voice directions; they drive me nuts, and so I always keep the audio off. Um, and but what I have wanted is just like an alert sound or some way to let me know when a turn is coming up. Like when I'm on a trip. 
Um, and I may, I may just be driving down the road. And so I've gotten so engrossed in, I'm probably listening to a podcast or music or chatting with my wife if we're on vacation or something. And I'll be driving down the interstate and I want to know if an exit is coming up, but I may not be looking at the screen and paying attention because I'm paying attention to the road. And what I want is just like an alert sound to say, Hey, you know, don't, don't give me turn by turn directions. Just let me know, Hey, pay attention. You're about to need an exit or you're about to need to turn. And the watch basically gives me that because now, because I'm using Apple Maps and because it's all connected and I'm all in the ecosystem now, it taps me on the wrist about, uh, you know, a half a mile before the turn or a mile, depending on if you're on the interstate or on a highway or how fast you're going. And it'll say, you know, tap you on the wrist and say your turn's coming up, basically. I really like that. That is it really is wonderful. Nice. And, and that may keep me in the Apple Maps ecosystem, even when I upgrade to a more powerful phone and find that Google Maps doesn't crash on the more powerful phone. So we'll see. I have been using Apple's Maps now for over a year, and I was just getting curious if I should check back into Google Maps or Waze. And uh, yeah, since you feel that way, I think I'll stick around Apple Maps for a while longer. I I will say, Joe, that the Google Maps has a better interface, believe it or not. I, I find this hard to believe myself because Apple... This This does bring up complaints I have with Apple. I don't think they're as good at user interface design as they used to be. But you know, you would think that Apple's user interface design would be better than Google's, but with Maps, Google Maps is a far superior interface. I hmm. Maybe far is a little much, but it is a superior interface. Uh, I find it more intuitive. I find it easier to read the map, and it's just it's just better. But Apple Maps is good enough, and these other integrations may keep me in that ecosystem. Another example of a feature to stay in the ecosystem is that my wife has an iPhone, I have an iPhone. Then when we are sharing our messages back and forth. We're using iCloud. Um, so on Apple Maps, one thing you can do is you can share your ETA really easily. And then she gets a notification via Apple Maps on her phone and lets her see where I am at. So we share our ETA every time one of us is out in town and we're heading home. And, you know, we can get ready for dinner or something. Yeah, my wife and I are not quite on that, like, make sure you always share your ETA or whatever. And and I work from home, so it might be a little different. But um, we do have an app called Life360, which, you know, works across platforms. And so that is where we can see each other's location. Um, and we could set it. And we do have, well, I do have a notification set up when she's arriving home or when she's leaving and same for her when I'm when I'm leaving or arriving home because we have like these geofences. Um, so that's, that's suffice for us. We'll see if, if once we're all back in the Apple ecosystem, if that changes things or not, but anyway, I want to move on cause there's other topics to cover. Um, I'm still using sleep cycle. Um, I can't remember what I was using the last time we started podcasting. I mentioned pillow. I've, you were talking about pillow last time. Okay. That's right. I just determined very quickly. I don't like pillow. Um, it, it never, and maybe it'd be different on the watch. Uh, I did have a little bit of issues of sleep cycle just on the phone of not showing me asleep when I was. And that could just be because maybe my wife was tossing and turning and I was asleep. And anyway, uh, but, but sleep cycle is definitely better. But then last night with the Apple watch, I, it looked like the, the, um, you know, how the graph looked perfect. Like I went into deep sleep, I would come up out of deep sleep and, and it showed me awake when I was awake and it showed me asleep when I was asleep. So, the Apple Watch and sleep cycle tracking are really good. Um, so that's sleep cycle. I turned off the always-on watch face. I had it on for a few hours, and it just really bugged me that it was on when I wasn't looking at it, and it didn't need to be. And huh. I'm sure that Apple has battery, but it was like a splinter in my brain, Joe. I just couldn't I just couldn't do it. <laughs> Even though like, huh. I'm sure Apple has the battery life tuned and everything, 
I just can't like why it doesn't, it doesn't need to be on. It's wearing out the screen. It's wearing out the battery. And it's just like, I don't want it on. So I have it only to turn on when I flip my wrist up and that's perfect for me. It works perfectly. I have no issues at all with that. Uh, so far, the number one reason I would enjoy upgrading though, I don't really think I have a compelling reason to yet, but if I did, I would probably upgrade because I would like the always on display on watch series four, which isn't, too terribly behind a series five it just doesn't have the always on and it, it was very jarring when i began with series zero that i was coming from a real tangible watch and the convenience of being able to glance at it uh, from any angle and just be able to tell the time so mm-hmm. i really have missed that all along with the watch and uh you're telling me you turn it off so <laughs> we definitely don't think <laughs> alike. Just- that's pretty awesome yeah no i mean and that's fine i mean i'm glad the feature exists because i know a lot of people wanted it um it's just yeah. it was just like a, this thing uh in my mind going your watch is on and it doesn't need to be <laughs> like and I you're just, not alone like, i've heard of plenty others who did turn off theirs on their series five and i've heard of more people yeah. still doing it on the six all right so joe get out your tiny violin and, okay, and I know this is, right here. this is the the tables have completely turned right because normally the the way that technology goes is oh we totally didn't think of that feature that women would enjoy <laughs> so so obviously I'm very I want to state from the outset I'm very very happy that Apple is paying attention to women's health that said I feel like I should be able to hide the cycle tracking app from my list because. I don't have a cycle. <laughs> so, but um, what if you start to have a cycle? I mean, never mind. I just, I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't even know where to go with that, Joe. Um, <laughs> so, and, and that was the first thing I did. Or the second thing I did was I, I, I initially, when I set up the watch, it said, do you want to sync all your apps over that have compatible watch apps? I said, yes. And then I figured I would pare down the list later. And that's exactly what I did. Once I determined, oh, I'm not going to use this app, this app, and this app, I got rid of them. So the, the list of apps would be shorter that I would scroll through. Mm-hmm. But I can't get rid of this app because it's built into the watch and I can't hide it. As far as I know, any listeners who may know different, please let me know. Um, so I, again, I'm, I'm very happy that Apple is doing this because often in tech, it's men who are driving things and we forget these these things that that women need. And, you know, it's great that it exists. Uh, I just wish for my personal, and again, get out your tiny violin. I know it's such a non-issue. It's it's such a non-issue, but it's just, it's just a little thing. It's like, ah, um, it is peculiar, the apps that are default that also cannot be removed at times because we can remove apps like Mail on the iPhone. I yes. don't know if we can remove Safari, but I know we can hide it. I think and, you can, or at least hide it. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the main thing is just, in, and especially now with the app library, right? So that, and that's the main thing, just getting it out of my app list because it's a, it's, for me, it's a useless thing that I can't use. Right. And if you had a third-party calculator on the iPhone and then you're thinking about, well, I'm never going to open Apple's again, they'll even let you remove that. And in a heartbeat, if you have remover's remorse, you can go back to the App Store and reinstall it. So I don't understand why these things would be so permanent and precious on the the watch. Another (laughs) example of an app I'd like to remove would be the Music Radio feature app. It's not that I don't use Apple Music. I use it all the time. I I'm in and out of the Apple Music app all the time. I don't use music on my watch all that much, but because it's such a universal, nice to have, sure, give me the music app. But the radio thing is just not something I'm likely to ever use. That's not how I use music. So 
again, it's sort of like the calculator on the phone. Why can't I just remove this and get it back in the day that I do want to return to it? It's just odd to me that there are those apps. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, and I'm sure that's something Apple will improve on in the future. This, th- again, this is such a non-issue. It was just a little like, oh, that's interesting. I can't get rid of that app that is not relevant to me. Um, so then finally on my uh, watch journey, I am uh, using – so it came with the um, – oh, what's the name of that watch face? Um, the Meridian. That's what is the default. Mm-hmm. And I still have that there, and I can switch to it. And I may – I'm thinking about doing a second uh, watch face besides the one I've chosen. But I've chosen the um, the Infograph Modular. Um, cause that most closely matches what I had finally landed on with my, uh, fossil sport. Um, and in fact, I think it may even show me more information than what I had on my fossil sport. So I've got my activity rings, of course, on the left, I've got the date and the time on the right on the top. And then I have, um, I really enjoy dark sky. And so I have that in the middle for my weather. Um, and it's telling me right now that it's 58 degrees and cloudy, a low of 49 and a high of 70 sunrise at 643 AM. Uh, and then I have my battery, uh, the, the three complications on the bottom are battery, fantastical and runkeeper. Nice. That's it. For, that's, that's what I've got. And you're sticking to the multicolor version so that it's not all a uniform. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. I like the color scheme a lot. Um, Do you think that you'll wind up changing the color scheme to match your style for the day or a trip out to town on a date with the wife and you're wearing uh, a nice blue shirt or anything like that? Especially since I don't have it on all the time, I'm not really seeing a mm-hmm. need to. Um, we'll Makes see. Sense. Uh, I I am gonna. I haven't taken the time to look yet, but I am gonna look up a. Hopefully, if I don't know if third parties may, are making, I'm sure they are bands for Apple watches. The um, I complained in episode one about how the link bracelet was uh, uh, roughly the uh, price of the blood of your firstborn, um, three hundred and something dollars, and that is just a no go for me. I'm happy enough with the the Milanese loop, um, and it looks great uh, right now, but I'm imagining it'll get somewhere, and I really like the link bracelet when I'm dressing up, so I'm going to try to look for a cheaper link bracelet to be able to slip onto my watch when I want to dress a little more fancy. Yeah, well, TJ, between you and me, don't tell anyone else, but I have bought a few other watch bands off of Amazon for dirt cheap, and they're actually not that bad. I got some with some pretty good star ratings, uh, saved a lot of money, and you can tell the difference in quality. I've been to the Apple store, I've done try-ons, and I can tell that they're premium. They're so nice. But the difference is not a huge difference, and for everyday use, I, I know that my Melanese band is or Melanese loop is going to get beat up. So I didn't want to spend a whole lot of money on it, and I got one, I think, for $15 that's lasted me two years and oh wow! It I paid really too much for my Melanie's my, loop. Yeah, uh, sorry. Enjoy it though; it's better than mine. Uh, m- mine's pretty it is good, a really but good... it's it, like it's a black finish, and a lot of it is wearing off. Yeah, I got the graphite, so I'm I'm concerned about the wear. We'll see how that goes. Um, but I'm, I'm it's a, you know it's ninety nine bucks. It better not wear too much. <laughs> um, Ooh, no, but I'm no, just no. not going to pay almost what I paid for the watch for the link bracelet. This is not going to happen. So. We'll see. I'll, I'll look around and see if I can find a link bracelet that I like. Um, and, and, you know, the link bracelet I'm imagining, I'll probably only wear it on Sundays or when I go to church or, or you know, when I go on a date or something like that with, with Rachel. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the watch, day one. We'll see. Hopefully we won't spend too much more time on this. We'll move on to other topics because we have other topics we want to sure. cover. Speaking of which, do you want to tell us a little bit more about iOS 14? Yes, please. Um, I think everybody has got watch OS uh, series six that has a watch, but 
everybody and your grandma has an iPhone or a smartphone in general, at least some experience with iOS. A lot more people have iOS and we're all getting on this bandwagon for widgets and getting a taste of the app library. And it's really changing things. I know that people are getting excited about creatively rearranging and stylizing their home screen, changing app icons, wallpapers to put together a particular theme that's very creative and sometimes completely uh, irrelevant, (laughs) but very creative and just fun to see. And I'm loving it. For, uh, one thing that it has me wondering now is that we have widgets. We don't have widgets for all the apps. For example, I'm really missing a widget for Pocket Casts. And I'm sticking to Pocket Casts. Uh, Overcast doesn't have them either. I'm curious how you feel like you would use a podcast widget. Because like I, I don't have widgets for music or for any other audio apps because I feel like I'd rather just open their app and, and deal with them that way. And then when I'm on the lock screen, I have the widget there to pl- pause and play. And I don't know what I would do with it on the home screens. For me, it would present to me probably my favorite playlist. So you're using the Next feature to put in some uh, podcasts into Next. How do you do that? Are you setting them so that whenever there's a new episode, they're automatically added to Next? Or are you manually adding them to Next? I do it manually. And so basically when a podcast comes in, um, you can swipe to the right from left to right and you can choose, you can either continue swiping and you can set this up in settings, but you can just have it add it to the bottom of the queue or you can pause the swipe and then it'll, you can tap one of the buttons, add to the top of the queue or add to the bottom of the queue. And okay. so that's how I manage pocket casts. Um, and because sometimes I, I have several podcasts that come in that are related to something that I'm doing a TV show, for instance, um, you know, a Star Trek, you know, maybe the new Star Trek episode. I'm listening to a podcast about that. And so I'm not ready to listen to it yet because I haven't watched the episode yet. And so I want to manage that manually. And and as, a, as we mentioned last week, I'm just, I prefer control over automation. Typically, there are certain automations I like, but often I would, I'm almost always prefer control over automation. Well, and I prefer efficiency over power. So I just <laughs> create my playlists. Now, the fun thing I do with the playlists is I think of them more like their channels and I find sure. like goes with, with like. So I have a favorites playlist and that means that anything that is a favorite podcast, even though the categories or their genres may vary a little, their personal favorites, it would be sort of like the Joseph Darnell Pockets channel and or uh, podcasts channel. So that's how I respect it. And if I had a widget, that's probably what would be in the widget just to show me what's at the top of the queue or what is newest in that playlist. And I mean, I got to tell you, I use my phone for Twitter, a little bit of research, Googling, uh, a lot of text messages and uh, all a day in and day out. I have a ton of apps and I use it as a camera, but I just don't use a whole lot of them on a day-to-day basis. But the mm-hmm. one thing I'm always in and out of is the pod, uh, podcasts. And yes, same. If, if I happen to be in a particular mood, I'll go to the music. If I go to the gym, I'm looking at the workout apps. But yeah, Pocket Casts or Overcast are where I am most of the time. And so for me, using the widget would mean that I would probably take it off of my home screen or take it off of my dock because it would just have prominent real estate and be easier to get to and see what's new. I just would enjoy that. I kind of I view my iPhone as more like the, an iPod in a way. 
Sure. And, and, and essentially widgets as conceived of here on uh, iOS 14 are very much like the um, icons and widgets or whatever they were called under Windows Phone. Uh, back when that existed, where um, they, mm-hmm. you know, you can have icons, which we have had all of the life of iOS, and now you can have these either four icon wide and tall widgets, or the full screen width and four tall or two tall, um, sorry, uh, widgets, or you can have a full screen widget, and and basically they are ba- uh, the icon but expanded to show information about the app. That's that's yeah. essentially how it is. And so when you tap it, you're going to the app. So there's no need to have both the widget and the app's icon. So when you think about it, and I hadn't thought about it this way before, but when you think about it, the app library had to kind of come with widgets because you now that you have widgets, you don't need both the widget and that app's uh, icon on the screen. I mean, you could have them, but there's no reason for it. Yep. It's good that they came together. I think it was perfect timing for a lot of people who are technologically challenged. For the folks that wanted to take advantage of widgets on day one, they would get all excited. They would say, everybody's got to use this and then maybe share it with older family members. And then the older family members would get confused, find it a little bit annoying, but they're really easy to use and start adding to the home screen. And I think that, like you said, the app library is a great a great support system with all the ways that we are dramatically rearranging those home screens. Yeah, that's right. On the home screen, I'm using the current weather app and Fantastical things and color widgets. Which what what is color was, widgets? So everyone knows about Widgetsmith, and Widgetsmith deserves it. I really like Widgetsmith, but it doesn't do one thing that I want. I want to be able to track the time and the date with a background of a photo I choose together. In Widgetsmith, they let you have uh, today's day and the date and that background photo, but no time on the widget. So just because Colors widget has the edge on it because it does give you the time too, I went with that widget instead. Now, the widget itself actually made the same widget in both Widgetsmith and Colors. It's just that Colors was able to give me the time as well. You know on the iPad how on the top left above the widget center on the home screen, it shows you the date and the time? I really wish that that was available on iOS 14. Come on, Apple. Like I don't know why I can't get today's uh, time and date front and center, or front and center, I don't know, front and center, but in the top quadrant of my home screen, like I can get it on the lock screen. Uh, well, you've got the it, time, but I mean, up in the menu, up in the top bar. I yeah, keep wanting to call oh, it a menu uh, bar, it, but it's not a menu bar. There are just enough occasions where my phone is on and I'm on the home screen, but it's not right up close to my eyes. So see, seeing the time in the top left corner is just kind of inconvenient. Mm-hmm. And I would like to be able to see the prominent time. So the widget for colors is really prominent. So I can see the time okay. across the room. Nice. Well, that's that's good. <laughs> what are you doing yeah, for yeah, your yeah. home screen widgets? Well, I just want to say, because you sent me screenshots, which I'm going to put in the show notes. Um, but uh, so, the, by the way, the, the so the show notes will contain uh, screenshots of my home screens, your home screens, our watch uh, faces, and all that good stuff. That'll be in the show notes, which will be at nightowl.fm slash hi-fi slash three. Um, so, yeah, so uh, here's what I've got currently. I have two home screens. Everything else is in the app library. I have a full-width, uh, two icons tall, 
um, fantastic how widget. Uh, so that shows me on the left, the, um, the month, uh, the, you know, all the days in the month, the kind of calendar view. And then on the right, it has a list of my upcoming events. Uh, so then the next two widgets I have are, um, for the four icon grid widgets, I have the weather, uh, so that shows me things about the weather. I have my lose it app, which is, uh, shows me how many calories I have left to consume, assuming I'm logging my calories correctly, which I'm trying to do now that I'm back from vacation. Uh, so, um, and then I have down, uh, and I'm still on the iPhone success, so I don't have as much screen real estate as you. So then, uh, the last row that I have, I have, uh, four icon wide and tall, I'm sorry, two icons tall, two icons wide, um, half width. In other words, uh, the fitness widget. And then I have four icons, maps, wallet, audible music. This is such a great, like describing my home screen on a podcast is so great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then on my second screen at the very top, I have half width maps, uh, which I'm not sold on having that there. I'm sure another widget will come up that I'll want there instead. But right now I just don't have any other widgets I want there. And I want it to take up, I want it to push all my icons down basically so that the the screen is full. And then the last widget that I have is Todoist, um, which shows me my next upcoming, uh, task if I have it scheduled for that day. What I think is really intriguing is how I think that a lot of people that thought of themselves as power users of the iPhone all this time wanted to make sure that they had their favorite apps on the home screen in order by how much they used them or how how prominent they were to their life. And now we're de-emphasizing the quick access to an abundance of apps on the home screen and we are just including uh larger apps so so the widgets it's not like you can interact with them if you want to do anything in those apps it's not like you can play pause audio right on the widget it's not like you can drill down to a specific event on your calendar but you tap it and it it just opens the fantastical app it just opens the activity app so at this point You've got four widgets, four regular app icons on your entire home screen. And that's half as many, isn't it? No, no, no. It's like, uh, it's less than half as many apps icons you could have just had on the home screen if you didn't have widgets altogether. So we're definitely, and it's a good thing. It seems like everybody is interested in this transition to just give me the most relevant information I want most readily with the fewer taps by way of the widgets rather than having just more options to choose from with apps. So one thing in contrast, I still agree with so many of the people that are disappointed with iPadOS on this point is that widgets are relegated to the sidebar on the home screen of mm-hmm. the iPadOS. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make any sense why they promote iPad Pro so heavily. And it felt like only a year ago, the emphasis of iPad OS was that it was going to enable them to do more things, more better things on a regular basis than anything iOS could get because of the screen real estate and the power of the hardware. And then you've got more screen screen real estate, TJ. It's it's so obvious that it should be able to support widgets just anywhere you want to put them. But not only do yes. we got no widgets, we also have no uh, app library. And, you know, I think that all of the reviewers could understand if the iPad had gotten more uh, a magical features, if we had gotten something else that was really uh, satisfying. 
But as it is, the one great feature we did get was more usability with the Apple Pencil. It can do more things. It can write in more places. It is super nice. But that only matters if you got an Apple Pencil and if you remember to keep it with your iPad and if you don't lose your pencil. So how many people actually have the pencil? How much of the time does that actually matter to them? You're not constantly going to use the pencil for uh, all the apps you're going to use. So all things considered, it really feels like the iPad OS got practically nothing. I, my guess is, is that if we wanted to give Apple uh, you know, sort of a free pass, we would say, hey, it's 2020, and it was harder for them to get things done. Maybe they had other things in mind for iPad OS, and they just couldn't get them done by the deadline because they were all working from home. But I kind of think Apple wouldn't have accepted that excuse internally. Well, I don't know about that. I, I, I just think that Apple is a very uncommunicative company. And, and this brings me to some of the more negatives about Apple, um, which I mentioned I still have a lot of. And I think that Apple is very poor at communicating, and I, which is so weird. I think they used to be so good at it in the early days. They used to be good at communicating. They were good at naming things. And I feel like it's sort of the same problem, right? They don't know how to name things. They don't know how to communicate well. Um, and they're having success in despite that, like, so it's not helping their success, but it's, it doesn't seem to be hindering it. So I guess, you know, they put the, they, they grease the squeaky wheels and not the wheels that aren't squeaking at the moment, but their communication, <laughs> yeah. their communication is just awful. Um, and all, all we needed, and I suspect this is the case. I suspect that the, that iPad OS will get them maybe even before the next cycle, will get these, these, uh, features. All they had to say was, 2020 has been a hell of a year, guys, and so it's coming. We're, we're working yeah. on it, and we can't we can't yeah. say when. Uh, just a little communication, and we all would have understood because it's 2020. I have the same issues with things, right? Because we're all sitting here going, "What's happening? We don't know what's happening. It's a weird year." I mean, we got the we got the pandemic, and everybody's you know panicking about that, and we're all working from home, and you know I I always work from home, so it's a little different for me. But like for Apple, like nobody worked from home, so <laughs> it's just sure we get it, we totally get it, and. I don't know. I just I I don't want Apple to open the floodgates because I realize you can over communicate and you can promise things, you know, over promise and under deliver, and that would be bad. But all you got to do is communicate a little bit. Just open it. Just just open that throttle up just a little bit and let some let's let some airflow through there. I don't know. It's it's just frustrating to me. I have I have two ideas for the widgets though. Uh, aside from just saying let's give the iPad all of the widget control features that it has on the iOS. Uh, two things I would love to see for the future. I would love to see widgets on iOS's lock screen because, I mean, just, just having like the weather collection uh, would be so much more accessible or maybe your calories or maybe it's your activity. Just one of those widgets on the lock screen would be kind of cool. I agree. I think Apple should do it. However, I do want to point out that, that that's going to require some more development time. So I can see why they didn't do it on the first pass. I think it, it's potential to come. I think Apple has proven a willingness to do things a few years ago I never thought we'd see. I never thought we'd see widgets. I really didn't. Hmm. So um, Apple's proven a willingness to do these sorts of things, but it's going to take a little more time to do something like that because the lock screen and just showing information on there willy-nilly has security concerns. Um, 
And I never realized, like, I, in the early days of iOS, I didn't think too much about the security concerns. And luckily, my phone was never stolen, and, and so it was never an issue. But uh, in those early days, there wasn't, I don't even think there was a way to not show information on your screen other than turn off all notifications, right? Um, so let's say that you have, um, uh, somebody has access to your phone. And, and they're trying to log into one of your two-factor accounts. That's And, and I say two-factor loosely because let's say it's tied to SMS, which is not really two-factor. But if they can then – they don't even need to get into your phone. If that information appears on the lock screen, they can now get into your account. Um, so it's not, it's not very safe. And so once I, once I started realizing these security concerns, and as soon as Apple gave us the ability, I started to turn on the don't show me any information, any, any – um, any information that could lead to data breaches uh, on the lock screen. In case somebody gets a hold of my phone, they can't see it unless they can know my know my passcode or have my fingerprint. Um, and in the future, on future phones, I assume it will be uh, Face ID. And so that's a really great feature. But then when you have widgets on the lock screen, you're going to have to be able to, to say per widget or else have the widgets designate whether they're showing sensitive information. Can I show this information on the lock screen or not? Um, the weather, sure. I think that's a perfect example of something that doesn't matter. <laughs> um, maybe even your calories, maybe you don't care if somebody knows the calories that you've consumed. I certainly don't care, but some people might <laughs> feel a little private about that. Right. And so if your phone yeah. gets stolen and somebody has access to the information, um, so you just have to be careful. I think Apple may do it, but I think they're going to have to spend some development time figuring out the controls for what information is available on the lock screen, locked and unlocked, you know? And it, it boils down to preference. Just while we have all this creativity and people enjoy customizing it, I think it'll be great if they give us full-blown app icon replacement support rather than using the shortcuts to create a app shortcut that we put one place on our home screen while the full-fledged app exists somewhere else in the app library. Uh, then the other thing I would ask is that uh, or just actually, this is more just of a pro tip for anyone who doesn't want to go hog wild with the widgets, but they definitely want to make great use of them as like a, a for productivity or just to feel like they are getting more use out of their home screen. If you think about all those apps that you had just collecting dust on your home screen and maybe you used on a regular basis seven of them out of all the apps on your home screen, then it's okay. You can take all of those other apps that you're not using on a daily basis and move them over to the first springboard to the right and then use the 4x4 widget, the small size that occupies the space of four app icons and just make more larger widgets, spread them out, you know, use one medium, use three like TJ is using, look at his example in the show notes and you'll see where it's like, you'll get more use out of the, the most important relevant apps by thinking of those small widgets as just uh, the biggie size of a regular app. And just just get move everything off of the home screen that you you don't use on a daily basis so that the ones that you do use on a daily basis with widgets can occupy widget space and spread out yeah so you mentioned um customizing app icons and it's it's a workaround for sure but people have gone hog wild with shortcuts so shortcuts now has the ability to put a shortcut icon on the home screen and you can choose the icon that it uses the picture that it uses or the the 
the image that it uses for the icon. And so people have done this. They've customized their, uh, and, and lots of people think, I mean, Apple basically just opened the floodgates by accident, I think. <laughs> yeah. And so people are customizing their icons. It's a kind of a terrible experience because when you put an icon for a shortcut on the home screen, you tap it, it opens the home screen or it opens the shortcuts app. And then it opens the app that you have it set to open. And so it doesn't open the app that you want to open directly. And so then when you go back to the home screen, the animation's wrong and all, the, all that stuff. So it's not the greatest experience, but it does let you customize the look and feel of the icons. Um, and so I just, I don't feel the need to hash over this too much. Um, John Gruber and Michael Simmons on the latest episode of the talk show had a great episode. And part of that episode, they were talking about um, the uh, widgets and or, or the icons and the home screen customization in that way. And surprisingly, I thought John Gruber took the position, you know, Apple should just make this better and make it more possible. And, and it was a really great episode. They talked about, Oh man, they talked about things that I used back in the day, uh, to customize Mac uh, themes and icons and, and hacksies and different things that I use like crazy and crashed my Mac many times because, you know, they're injecting stuff into the memory space and, uh, modifying kernel things. And, Oh, it was awful. Um, (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, people, because Apple never gave people an official way to do it in Mac OS, people were finding ways around it. And so um, the what we want is for Apple to provide clean APIs and clean hooks for people to do this. So I'll put this in the show notes. It's the talk show episode 296. Um, it's a great episode. I really enjoyed it. Um, I want to move on. Um, we don't have a lot of time left, but I do want to talk about this a little bit. Um, so John Gruber, once again, uh, wrote an, uh, a, sh- a short uh, link post. Uh, no, actually, it was an article. It wasn't a link post um, called Widgetsmith and the Case of the Missing App Store Bunko Squad. So um, this show, of course, is only three episodes old. And so we haven't really talked a lot about this. But if you've been following me on Twitter or just haven't if you haven't been living under a mm-hmm. rock, you'll know that that Apple has had some infighting with developers. They haven't, in my opinion, haven't been treating their developers very well. Um, They're not listening to their concerns. Um, They've been doing app rejections in a way that is just not great. Um, and, And so you have all this stuff where, and Apple's like trying to position themselves as the gatekeepers, right? They're like, well, but, you know, we do all this because we care. We do all this because the end user. We do all this because yada, yada, yada. So they're positioning themselves as the gatekeepers and, and the, the Bunko squad, if you will. And so um, when iOS 14 came out, uh, underscore David Smith, uh, he, he, his uh, username on Twitter, underscore, serves an underscore. So we typically in the community refer to him affectionately as underscore. I even have a couple of his apps on my phone. He's a prolific app creator. He created a wonderful new app called Widgetsmith. I've played with it. Uh, nothing in there appealed to me necessarily, but I understand the appeal of it, and it has gone wild. Well, a couple of days, maybe even just a day later, I, I don't remember the time frame, but it was very shortly after underscore David Smith's uh, Widget Smith app took off and became the top app in the App Store that a um, a clone or a, a kind of a, a <laughs> what would you call it? Um, I'm looking for the off. name of it. Widget, w- w- a ripoff. There you go. A Widget Smith Color Widgets is the name of it. Utterly shameless ripoff. When you would search for Widgetsmith, it became the top result in the App Store. And basically, it stayed there until John Gruber wrote this post. And we know from other evidence that Apple pays attention to Daring Fireball. Um, and so I think Apple went in and fixed it. 
But but they shouldn't have taken a post from John Gruber to get Apple's attention on this, and the App Store shouldn't work this way. If Apple is going to position themselves as this gatekeeper, and I, I question the viability of that long term, I question the entire strategy. But if they're, and, and I'm not saying I don't want Apple involved in some way, and I don't want them filtering out the the cruft, but they're not. I mean, look at the App Store; it is filled with cruft. It is filled with garbage. Apple does not reject things that they should, and they reject things that they should. And I don't understand what they're thinking. Um, it, it, this is just a case in point, right? This is just sort of the straw that broke the camel's back. Well, I mean, my, my back was already broken, to be honest. But it's just like, how did this happen? Why is Apple allowing this? If they're positioning themselves to be the gatekeepers and to – to they're, they're curating the app store for quality so that, that users can trust it. And I, 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 I just don't understand what they're thinking here is, Joe. Oh, I don't think it's – deliberate oversight but it is oversight because it with a little bit of intentionality and follow through to recognize you, you know i think that the, the ripoffs actually are happening on such a huge basis across the board take um a app that a lot of people like and they want to see ripped off an app like let's say candy crush it, you know some people want to try out the alternatives like Frush crushing you know, and so they want to try out the other version. They just want to download all the apps that are of the same genre and then discover which one that they would prefer. However, there's, you know, people like you and I both that prefer the original, the one of a kind, the classic, the authentic, the one where the developers had the original idea and they deserve to re- be rewarded for it and get the attention for it. And for that kind of reason, I think that some of this is a subjective uh, area where the app review department has a lot of people that are just looking to make sure that it doesn't have too many bugs, that it it, uh, follows their guidelines. And the management are the supervisors that usually would evaluate something like, is color widgets ripping off Widgetsmith? And for, you know, earlier, actually, I brought up how um, I really like Widget Smith and the other app called, I think, Color Widgets. And I'm, I have both installed on my phone. The one that John Gruber was talking about was yet another app called uh, something like Widget Smith Color Widgets. So he was pointing out that there's actually a, another ripoff that had Widget Smith in the name, a blatant ripoff, and that was not the same widget app that I got called Color Widgets. So no, no, Color Widgets I was yet another I one. <laughs> I, I don't begrudge other apps from doing the same thing. This was a clear exactly. I mean, and I looked into it more. This is very clearly a blatant ripoff, and even just trying to capitalize on the name. Yeah, my very argument cheap. is not. My argument is not that these apps shouldn't be allowed. My argument is if Apple has the time to curate the app store from apps that that don't want to use um, in-app payment systems, and so therefore they have their own payment system, maybe not even in the app. They do like Netflix does, which Netflix is allowed to do. Apple lets them do it. They do like the deal they cut with Amazon, where Amazon doesn't have to use the in-app payment system. Uh, all this stuff they have, but then when um, when Hey.com submits their app and they're not using the in-app payment system, you have to go to their website and sign up for their account uh, and pay them directly. Then Apple's like, "Oh no, you know, you shall not pass." You know, you, you know they they pull out the Gandalf yeah. staff, but 
but with uh, all these other things, like they, they're only curating the app store in ways that suit them and not the users. So they argue, they make the argument that they're helping users and they're making the app store safe for users, but they're not. And that's what, that's what I have a problem with. I think that Apple, rather than trying to police it so heavily, this wouldn't, I don't think this would be an issue if Apple were not trying to be the police force that they are. But it just rubs salt in the wound when this clear ripoff app is the first result rather than the app that took off and was top charts. It, it just, I, I just think that Apple has lost sight of the plot and, and they're kind of off on a, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> that's that's my argument and i i well, we'll you know have to I, wait and see <laughs> yeah christina warren had a great thread on twitter uh kind of responding to and, and continuing the conversation about the article that john gruber wrote which i really enjoyed her thread and i i'm just looking i favorited every single tweet in the thread almost <laughs> so i'll put that in the show notes as well um, she says, it's disingenuous to argue with a straight face that the array of rules and the size of the revenue cut is required because of a curated and human overseen experience if that experience is bad for users and actively harmful to developers. Uh, and I, that, I, that's just one of the tweets. There's several. Again, I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes. She's spot on, in my opinion. Uh, you know, full um, disclosure, I guess, for her. Uh, she has been an Apple enthusiast for a long time. I've, I've followed her on Twitter for a long time, but a couple of years ago, she started working for Microsoft, even though she's still an Apple enthusiast. So uh, anyway, take that for what it's worth. Um, but yeah, you've even got like people like John Gruber who are Apple like enthusiasts and Apple apologists even, but even, even some of the stuff Apple's been doing lately got John Gruber going, eh, well, I don't know guys, what's going on? <laughs> so Anyway, that's just my take on it. I just wanted to comment on the, the hot topic of the day. And I know you, you've you been wanting to talk about Mario, so I think that hopefully in episode four, we'll make that front and center. Awesome. Get, yeah. get, well, get off of Apple for a week next week. Sounds good. Well, I think that's a show, Joe. I uh, think so. I'm ready to put it out there. All right. So if people want to continue this conversation with you and find you on the, the series of tubes that make up the World Wide Web, where might they do that? I am available through the the Twitter sphere. So look at me at um, at JCS Darnell. Uh, I do some YouTube videos, other podcasts. So the one that I would recommend you check out, besides HiFi, if you haven't heard of that podcast yet, is Equinox, which I do with Dr. Robert Carter, a marine biologist and geneticist which is also available from nightowl.fm. Yes, and I am available on Twitter at TJ Draper Pro if you want to uh, continue the conversation with me there. Um, and speaking of uh, Night Owl, um, you can find the show notes on nightowl.fm for this episode at nightowl.fm slash hi-fi slash three. Like I said, I'm going to put some uh, links to some screenshots of our home screens and things in there. I'll link to the articles that I mentioned. I'll link to the episode of the talk show that I mentioned, and uh, you'll find all that stuff there. That's it for us this week. We hope you'll join us next week, and hopefully we'll be talking about Mario. Mario.